The entire team at the Emsolation Podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians and cultures of the lands and seas on which we live and work. We pay our respects to all First Nations peoples, elders and ancestors. We acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and stand in solidarity towards a shared future. I personally want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I record this podcast every week, the Wurundjeri people. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place I call home. Always was, always will be. M. Rossiano. And I think maybe because I wanted to make a professional, my brain was like, aha, okay, bitch, and went completely the other way. And Michael Lucas. Oh, likewise with you, can't wait. And just remember, if it's too fatty, just heat it up. This is M. Salation. I was working for Baz Luhrmann. Oh, oh, just pick that name up. Oh, no, but yeah, I was. You're in Emsolation. Well, hello there and welcome to Emsolation. My name is Em Rossiano. I'm a writer, a singer, a stand-up comedian, a maximalist power queen, a neurodiverse magic brain, a podcaster, and together with my best friend since I was 11, Australian screenwriter and silver Logie winner, Mr. Michael Lucas. I bring you this podcast every Thursday, only on Spotify. Wow, what a triumphant weekend this show has had. Michael, of course, as you all know, took out the Logie for most outstanding drama and really his win is our win. If you want to pop on your resume, in your Facebook bio, on your Tinder, on your Grinder, on your Blender, on your, what are the other dating apps, on your eHarmony, that you are a Logie winner, you have my express permission to do so. Please do, because you are all a part of the journey. It was so wonderful. And I can't tell you, I was sitting alone in our apartment and the people next door must have thought I was insane because I was shouting at the telly, here, I'll get Zeke to pop in my reaction to Michael winning because we've got the proper reaction later in the show and you didn't need me screaming. I'm just warning you, I'm about to scream. Have a listen. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. I was sitting there in my purple frock, got my tits out for Michael. It was very low plunging, wasn't it? But it was a really great night. You're going to hear all about that in the podcast. Full Logie's debrief. You're going to find out what Michael's mum texted him, which (laughs) was very on brand for Joe. Um, We talk about... Look, if you follow me on Twitter or on Instagram, you'll know I've had a bit to say this week about a particular sportsman uh, blaming ADHD for some appalling behaviour that he's been sprung for. And um, I don't know, I, I sometimes I feel a bit strange talking about neurodiversity. I don't know, I'm still figuring it out, but I'm now starting to realise any time ADHD hits the press, especially in the last year or two, it's got a negative spin on it and it's because someone's done something wrong and I'm fast realising that there needs to be more positive representations, especially of ADHD, and so maybe I do need to start speaking about it more. I'm trying. Obviously, the National Press Club address is coming up on August the 24th. It is already sold out because so many of you wanted to see it, but it will be broadcast live on the day. Don't worry, we're talking about it a lot. But the events of this week have really made me reflect on what I want to say because 
I now realise I have the ear of the nation. I have the ear of Australia's media, of every neurotypical person that chooses to watch. And I know how desperately our community needs some good shit said about it. (laughs) So I haven't started writing it. We talk a little bit about that in the show also. Um, I'm finding it very hard to start (laughs) because I have ADHD. But um, yeah, it's been a tough week for anyone with those letters assigned to them. Also, speaking of neurodiverse magic brains, the fucking hell t-shirts are finally ready. What the fucking hell? My three-year-old son, who is autistic and has ADHD, is a neurodiverse magic brain, of course, uttered those famous words, the video went viral and we decided to make a T-shirt that said... What the fucking hell? And we're going to be donating 100% of profits to an autism charity. I'm still figuring out the best way to distribute the funds and who it should go to. If you have any suggestions, please feel free to contact us. Uh, hello at mraciano.com. Gemma, my assistant, will be fielding suggestions. But I know that because Elio is a neurodiverse magic brain and is autistic and this came from his little glorious mind, I thought it was only right that the profits go to helping other kids like him. So they're going to be on sale right now. As you're listening, they've gone on sale today on Thursday and um, this is the black T-shirt with a... With a what the hell? And it's a T-shirt you can hear. I mean, not literally, but every time you go to put it on, you will hear... What I never get sick of any that. Please uh, buy a T-shirt, buy a T-shirt for your friends. Uh, I'd like to raise as much money as possible because as I delve deeper into this community and into uh, being neurodiverse, I realise there's not a lot of outside assistance going on and there's a lot of families slugging away and the NDIS is really not user-friendly. Um, so anything I can do to help ease your passage or someone you love's passage will be done and so all this money will go to that. I don't have much else to say to you. This is just a celebration of, look, Beyonce's obviously released a single, you won't break my soul, you won't break my soul. It's just obviously we lost our minds and also while we were away we watched the J-Lo documentary. Um, I, wanna, I wish it was called Let's Get Loud but it's not. It's called Halftime and look, it was just, it gave us everything we wanted. It didn't give us enough of her and Ben, but that's okay. At the time she was dating A-Rod, but you wouldn't know. And we, we thoroughly dissect that too. So we're giving you everything you've wanted, especially the full Logies breakdown. So exciting. Thank you for being here. Don't forget to buy your fucking hell T-shirts. <laughs> Is it wrong what I've done? No. No, it's not wrong at all. One of my headphones um, keeps phasing in and out. It's all I can focus on. So I'm sorry if I sound distracted, but I am. (laughs) That's the honest truth. I'm going to go, enjoy. um, That's it. All right, play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Fresh from his Logies of Victory, although Fresh might be pushing I, yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not the adjective I choose. <laughs> Michael Lucas, well, congratulations. Thank you. Wait, Thank you. have I got a button? Um, oh. 
That's like a football stadium worth of people cheering. So good. I'm not feeling fresh. I... And, like, you went way longer than I did. Technically, I was really only partying for two and a half hours. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You, on the other hand, left my styling session at 3 p.m. Yeah. And 12 hours later, almost. Almost 12 hours later. It was certainly 12 hours later when I finally went to bed, yeah. Mm, I know. So, I mean, let's relive the night. Let's. First of all, way too long. That ceremony <laughs> was nearly five hours. If you think it felt long to you, imagine sitting there knowing, because they gave a list of the order of events, and I knew that our main award, the one that I, we were most likely to if we have a shot at, was the second last and the torture. <laughs> also just the torture of thinking, I just can't be busting to go to the toilet when it happens and trying to judge, should I go to the toilet now? Should I race out and go now? Or is that too much of a risk? Like, it, yeah. And then also whilst getting texts from your family all the time going, this is bored, do I have boring? Do I have to watch the whole thing? Or my mum who thought... <laughs> go on. <laughs> My mum, because we were up for the most popular, which, as expected, we lost to um, Home, and, Home away. and Away. Yeah, my mum thought that was it. She was like, oh, well, that's a shame. It's over. It's all done. Oh, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Your mum had some pearlers, I have to say. Not as much as Adrian's mum. Well, you were also getting texts. You're on the text chain with Adrian and I, and Adrian was giving us updates of mm. um, his mother's comments, which are not fit for podcasting. But I do love tell everyone what your mum said after you won, though. Oh, oh no, that's right. She said... <laughs> I, I was very proud of everything from the forehead down. <laughs> what? <laughs> she did think I'd gone a little short. It was amazing. You looked amazing. Everything was perfect. <laughs> I was worried about your spirits because that in memorandum segment was so sad. It was so sad. And I could, I, and the room were all, you felt the room collectively just flatten out and it was three years worth. I know. Sorry, it was and just. And so many legends. And I didn't, I didn't even realised that Jeannie Little had left us. Yeah. Hello, darling. I didn't know I knew, that. I thought of you when she came up. I love her. Mm. So much of my character and, and just soul, I think, absorbed her as a kid and loved her. How did she flourish so much in the Australian television of the 70s and 80s? But she did. She really did. I loved her. And then, so I did send you a little message. I'm like, how are spirits? How are you going? And you'd lost. I was, I'm going to be honest. I was nervous. For that, the no, me too. Because Absolutely. You, except um, Anna won, thank goodness. And the TV Week Logie goes to Anna Torv for the newsreader. Of course, I want to thank Michael Lucas, our creator. Make she it. did. Mm -hmm. But I remember there was a point where, and it was a great win in the room, Heather Mitchell won for Love Me and yeah. I thought... I, I thought that we there was a strong chance we Love Me might win our thing. And when she won, I thought, oh, I reckon. And then William McInnes didn't win, which yeah. was to the brilliant Colin Friels. But again, it was making me thinking, oh, Same. I'm Same. not, I know. It wasn't the clean sweep that the actors were, you know, because sometimes... Well, that wasn't a clean sweep either. But, but yeah, it was it was, it was was more yes, yes. Anyway. And I was, I was nervous and I was just sitting there going, and I was making deals and I knew it was already done, but I was talking to the spirits, I was talking to my nana. I was like, come on, come on. And I was still nervous and... And then I was getting every every award I filmed of yours, you didn't win. So I'm like, uh, I shouldn't film. That's it. I'm putting the moz on these awards. But I thought, <laughs> no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna film it. And I did. And oh my goodness. Well, let's have a listen to the moment that it was announced by Tim Minchin too, by the way. How nice. I know, and Leah Purcell. Yes. What a duo. <laughs> have a listen now. The triumphant moment. And the Logie goes to the newsreader, ABC. Uh, we just want to pay tribute to the other fellow nominees and just to any drama that managed to shoot in this COVID era. <laughs> Recreating 1986 at the height of a pandemic was a hell of a challenge, but luckily we were led by the extraordinary Joe Werner. 
She's, she's been on this project for five years. She's had two kids and I've still never seen her in a bad mood. And the incredible director, Emma Freeman. She did all six eps of The Newsreader back to back with all six eps of Love Me, which is truly superhuman. But it felt like everybody just, just uh, completely took it to the next level on The Newsreader from crew members that figured out which smoke machines were COVID safe to this extraordinary ensemble cast led by Anna and Sam that learned 12 page runs of overlapping screaming newsroom dialogue. And for that, I have to thank the writing team, Deb Oswald, Nikki, Jono, Ian, Kim and Ado. And our writers were led by our creator, Michael Lucas. Uh, Screen Australia, thank you for helping us to shoot through this pandemic. And Vic Screen, it was so great to shoot this in Melbourne. To the ABC, thank you, Sally, Alex, Brett and Joe. Thank you so much for all of your support. And finally, we are just nerding out to be in the room with the real icons of news. Like, we've totally seen Lisa Hells in the flesh. And um, I just want to thank those newsroom veterans that helped us out, Carol Hall, and particularly the anonymous TV legends that told me some stories about the 80s. Your secrets may not be safe, but they will be fictionalised. Thank you. <laughs> so your name gets called, right? Yeah. What's going through your mind? Um, so I saw you look, you did the aha, the Michael Lucas aha, when you lean back and you like clap your hands. I did. The, the precise thing that happened was the first thing was don't forget to button your jacket. Yeah. So, so I did that. And then my second thing was I realised when I stood up, I pushed my chair too far out and it blocked <laughs> Michelle Lim Davidson's <laughs> path. So you'll notice that I turned quickly round yes, I did. and try and put my chair back in. <laughs> Yeah, And then I went up and, look, I did have... The, the whole way through, I had been running through what I had to say. My glorious co-producer, Joe Werner, did turn to me several times in the night going, I'm so glad I'm not the one delivering this pitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Yeah, so I was a little bit worried I was going to turn around and look at the audience and just blank or choke, but I didn't at all. And, and um, yeah, so, I don't know, went up. I did want to... Like, it's really, really weird... I've never met Tim Minchin. I love him. It's really, really weird to have, like, a weird, like, fleeting like, and then just move straight on. Yeah. And, yeah, I don't know, just turn around and thankfully I could remember how to speak. I hadn't urinated. I was just, I was, it was okay. It was okay. There was one time where I fully forget, I forgot the phrase that I wanted to say. I can see it. When I watch the video, I can tell that I've done it. There's a bit where I'm like, I say, and... I think that what I wanted to say was everyone on this went above and beyond and the words above and beyond just, like, left me. And so I just was like, it oh, took it to the next level. That was good. That was good. No, you were so composed and witty and quick and full of air and because every other speech, I think you had a speech of the night and I don't think I'm being biased. Truly, I really don't. Like, it just felt like everyone else... Well, felt like it's un-Australian to prepare, but because you are always prepared because you're a nerd, nerd, you know, like that paid off. It showed that you cared enough to put effort into a proper oh, speech. I, th- I chucked in something at the last minute what too. Did you chuck in? There's a bit where, because I, I knew that I was going to say we're nerding out to be in the room with the real news icons. And because there was a moment when Lee Sales had walked past our table and we were all like, oh, Lee Sales. And so I just threw in at the last minute, we've totally seen Lee Sales in the flesh. And they loved went, it. Yeah. 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 And there was also, there was one bit, I mean, the room was pretty drunk by the time I was up there. <laughs> and so I acknowledged like every drama that had to shoot in COVID. And I didn't expect, of course, all the tables that were yeah, dramas felt popular. like solidarity and they all cheered and everything. And I didn't expect it. So popular. it was, it was great. Good. You played to the room. Played to the room. Got off quickly. <laughs> Got a bloody Logie. When yeah. we, then, we, then we got to go to the after party and... Well, uh, they take you. You get to you get shepherded into this whole, like... Oh, yeah. What happens when you, once you win a Logie? Where do you go then? You get... They take you to several sort of 
you get taken backstage. Yeah. You weave around all like the gear and everything like that. Yeah. And then you get taken into this sort of like official photograph room. So the picture oh. that of me that behind the red that background that I posted everywhere that was there, and we've got all these sort of cast photos and just like I don't know, I guess for TV Week or something like that. And then you get taken into like a press room where there's like a whole lot of journos that are so tired by this point <laughs> that can ask a couple of questions and yep. you stand there with a the microphone and you get that. And then of course everyone wanted to watch Hamish Blake. Yeah. Yeah. Take out the gold. Take out the gold. And yes. then he came backstage. Yes. And um and yeah, was like just annoyingly gracious. And, um, I don't mean that. I mean no, he was he a is. really lovely, gracious yeah. guy. And he came up and congratulated us. Yeah. And then also there was a really great moment because Chai Hansen, who's in the newsreader, um, he's in an Amazon show called Night Sky with mm-hmm. Sissy Spacek and mm-hmm. it's Hamish Blake's favourite show and mm-hmm. Hamish Blake was having a total, like, fan out, like, getting pictures with Chai, posting them everywhere. And, and Chai was pretty chuffed, huh? He was pretty chuffed. <laughs> he was pretty chuffed. He <laughs> can't stop that. talking about it. That's yeah. so cute. And so then immediately rang M and yeah. said, let's yep. meet at the after Let's party. go. And so I found you wandering the streets of Broad Beach with a Logie. Excuse me, are you holding a Logie? <laughs> Don't drop it! <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm so proud of you. Let's look up close, look up close. She's stunning. Stunning. Oh, babe. Just, like, just flacking it around. I could hold it. It's quite heavy. It's substantial. It Mm. was engraved already because Mm -hmm. they already knew that. Yeah, just like the netball comps, as you had suggested. Yeah, thank goodness. And we went in and we they had slippers there waiting for everyone, which is great. Mm. We danced with Miguel from uh, the living room and Doris Unane and Billy, her partner, and... Rob Mills and Dr. Chris Brown and Abby Chatfield, like Tony Armstrong is there, everyone's boyfriend, Australia's boyfriend. Australia's boyfriend. That was a great win. He is, he's he's great. He's as great as you want him to be. Exactly. Truly does not disappoint at all. He's (laughs) glorious, wonderful, chaotic, hectic, wonderful, wonderful. It's good night. And you and I agreed at the same time about 2.30 a.m., we were done. We were done, yeah. Ten do it was do do the best after parties. That's yep. a well established fact. Yeah. And they, they there was a lot of clever things that they had done. The slippers were clever. They had a phone charging station. They did. As, which was really smart because I would have totally run out if it wasn't yep. for that. Yeah. They had like a photo booth area. Very lights. Yeah, everything about it said someone's really thought about this. <laughs> there was a flash mob by the ten PR. There team. really was, which was I, I, on a lot of levels, many of them ironic, but it was our favourite, most gleeful, silly moment of the it night. Was wild. They also, I really appreciated that they they had a DJ absolutely committed to mashing up bangers, which I appreciated. But what I really loved is they had like full sparks. Pyrotechnics. Like, pyrotechnics. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> the now whole was good. <laughs> Reliving that flash mob. Wow. I mean, emails would have had to have been rehearsals. I I know. I reckon there was like a 60 email chain that went in the lead up to that flash mob. I hope that there was an office rehearsal. I really do. I'm sure there was, yeah. And mad respect to DJ Mafia. That was the DJ of the night. I've known her a long time. We've played a lot of gigs together. So all's well that ends well. And then the next day, Michael and I were trying to go through security (laughs) and someone sets off alarms... Because he's got a weapon in his bag. Yeah. And it clearly, <laughs> what yeah. What did she say to you? She said something like, could I ask what this um, blue item is? Because on the x-ray it had come up blue and so I was forced it to It did say, look like a, either a, like a vibrator dildo. Yeah. Or what it was. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was a moment where I had to say, um, it's a Logie. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it were me, I would have been, it's a Logie. 
It's a Logie. <laughs> it's a Logie in my carry on a Logie, for which I won most outstanding drama. Yes, a Logie. But I yeah. was on the brink of, because she laughed as well, the security Yeah, person. she was lovely. And I was on the brink of saying, can we just restage this whole moment so Em can film it? But I, that <laughs> felt a bit too, too we much. We should have. I would have really respected you. All right, well, congratulations again. Everyone's so happy. Like, so many Em Salators stayed up until 11, Thank you. whatever yeah, it was. More than can be said for my own mother. So I really... Wait. No, that's true. No, no, no. She, she did, she did, she did not go to bed. Did she lose consciousness? Yes. She's been very upfront with me about that, and she said it early. She's like, Michael, I've just got to confess something. I did not stay awake the whole time, but so many of your friends started ringing as soon as you hopped on stage that I woke up, and so I did see the tail end of your speech. <laughs> You've always got Joe to keep you humble. But also, she twisted it in my van. She goes, because not only was I disillusioned when home and away one, I, I, I was just pissed off. And so I, so it was like she was trying to sell me that she fell asleep. That's in her protest. version of protest. <laughs> it was Everyone. a sleep protest. <laughs> it was her version of a hunger strike. But She'd be great. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's not. She takes a different approach to Greta Thunberg when it comes oh, yeah. to the protesting. It's much more I'm losing consciousness in solidarity. But don't doubt her intentions. I love your mum. Oh... Well, moving on to something not as fun as the Logies. This afternoon, I I don't I treat Twitter with a lot of contempt. You know, mm. I just go there, drop bombs, and leave. I don't mm. read the replies. I often go there just to agitate a few people. I don't know. It's not something I spend a lot of time on. And I clicked across to Twitter, and I noticed that the ADHD was trending, mm. and I instantly wanted to vomit because mm. it's not trending for good reasons, right? No. And straight away, I'm like, who's blamed ADHD for their shit? Oh, really? I knew. I knew. And I was not disappointed. Well, I was, but I wasn't wrong. A Collingwood footballer, in mm. fact. His name's Jordan Degui. Degui. I don't know. I don't know football things. He has a long list of off-field behavioural issues. Like, this mm. isn't his first transgression. But he recently went to Bali mm. and he was filmed quite inebriated, attempting to grab a woman's breast and expose her, making, like, rude gestures to the camera, just generally being a menace. And the video's come back and um, it's Collingwood Football Club have disciplined him and he's come forth and apologised and said he knows he's betrayed the club. But he's recently been diagnosed with ADHD and feels that goes some way to explaining some of his actions. Mm. And I felt just, I can't, I don't... What the we don't need this, thank you, on behalf of the neurodiverse community. Please, please stop blaming your shitty behaviour on ADHD because I have ADHD and I don't feel the need to expose a woman's breasts. No, I've certainly never noticed that behaviour from you. No, I don't feel the need to behave in a misogynistic fashion. Mm. I have the same you know, symptoms of impulsivity and, and you know, a, a lot of us people with ADHD do have the same kind of checklist of things, but also most of them manage to not behave like this. Mm. I remember that there was a politician and you know his name. Yeah, Andrew Lemming. It's an extremely similar story in mm. lots of ways. Mm. So he was accused of predatory behaviour, like, but more sort of things like... Oh, it was a variety of things, bullying and harassment, but like abusing constituents online mm. and then disclose he had ADHD. He, had, he was sent to empathy training, as all great Liberal MPs are. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he sort of said he commenced treatment. I mean, he did add, you know, this in no way excuses his behaviour, but it was a very deliberate 
use of... Disclosure. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And when these men choose to disclose this diagnosis is all too convenient. And while ADHD is a reason, it's not your excuse. And Mm. that's my issue. Mm. And I think it's so hard to get people to take ADHD seriously because it's totally misnamed. It's not a deficit of attention. Mm. I have too much attention, some Mm. would argue. It's that I don't know where to put it. I can't Mm. prioritise where it goes. I don't get to decide where it goes. And most of the time my symptoms are just related to exhaustion because my brain is always on, my, my senses are always on. And when you mention you have ADHD to a neurotypical person, you watch the lights go out. Mm. You watch them look at you like, what? Like it's piss week. Like it's mm-hmm. it's an excuse. Like it's something little boys get. And I and I'm trying to find the way in. And I have eight weeks to write this speech for the National Press Club, in which I intend to focus a lot of it on being neurodiverse. And I'm now even today feeling panicked about. How do I find the right words to infuse gravitas into this diagnosis? And then when men like this, when this happens, I just feel defeated. Mm. I feel like, well, there's no point. What's the Mm. point? Because any time this happens and someone's behaved in a really shitty way and they're like, oh, but I've got ADHD, every one of us with that. Get get we get looked at differently. We get judged, mm. and I, and I and I feel this enormous pressure to find the words so that the neurotypical people can know how hard it makes my life and how hard it makes my kids' life. I but I don't know how, which is why I'm, I'm glad I have you. But you're a neurotypical person, so I have to find a way. And I know you appreciate it, but it's it's a hard thing because oftentimes I can see people just thinking, "Can you just do it?" <laughs> what do you mean? I'm sure I've given you that look before. Like, what do you mean you can't pick up one coat, you have to clean your whole room first before you can find the right place for your coat to go? <laughs> just pick your coat up. And like, and it's just like, what do you mean you're disorganised? Mm. Just write a list. Okay, cool, thanks. Cheers. I'll try a list. But in terms of this footballer, mm. so because recently as well mm. there was Bailey Smith, mm-hmm. much talked about on this pod. Mm. He was sprung with what looks pretty much to me like a bag of coke mm-hmm. and he didn't deny it. Mm-hmm. He said depression as mm. well, mm. which I know that I'm not... Obviously, it's a completely different thing, but where did that sit for you? Because mostly, generally, his, his, his response was pretty well received. Mm. People felt like he owned it, um, you know. I think if I'm being brutally honest, a little bit of internalised ableism for me... I think because depression in my mind is perhaps taken more seriously than ADHD. Mm. And I think even for me when I read depression, I was like, oh, well, that's serious. Yeah. And I think when I read... I think you're right, actually. ..these people saying ADHD, I think because I still have a bit of shame around it and I still internalise my ableism around it, Mm. I think I reacted, you know, instantly like, ugh, and then the double of, ugh, so I think that's why the Bailey Smith thing kind of, I took it and I, and I didn't think in any way he was using it as an excuse. But I think my internalised ableism came through with that politician and with this footballer because I'm worried people think it's an excuse for me or I think it's an excuse sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I feel It's also, I feel like depression... It's like, this is a really weird thing to say, but it's like depression's had better PR in the sense oh, of... no, you're right. Thanks to... 
Beyond Blue and yep. things like that. We've been educated for a long time. You've even got figures like Jeff Kennett yep. and stuff like that that have been very You're even... You're 100% right. Whereas ADHD, there isn't that equivalent yet. Well, where... the ADHD people have ADHD, so the PR's really disorganised. We can't get it together. <laughs> we can't agree. Everyone's crying. Like, we just can't fucking be bothered doing it. We don't answer any of our emails back. We try to get together, but everyone cancels because of the anxiety. Mm. So, oh, the ADHD people have terrible PR skills. Mm, and mm. I th- and you've hit the nail on the head and, and why I want to get this speech right is I need to I need to be better PR for this thing because especially for my group of late diagnosed women there's no research mm. no one cares enough mm. to figure out why this is happening where and and I want to maybe be the trigger for a scientist or a, or a politician or someone to be like fuck we've got to get on top of this this is mm. really affecting a lot of people's lives so I think I don't know. I just was really triggered and you've really helped me in real time figure out why. It's because I still am dealing with, is this really a thing? But also is that that element of because there isn't good understanding of it, like it makes it even more of a difficult proposition when someone casts it in a really negative light as yes. it is. Like, because I'm going to draw the longest, weirdest bow here. Please. But I think about the way, like, gay people are represented on screen. And mm. for a long period of time, it was like, please no like we can't, we don't want villainous gay characters or predatory gay characters because we can't handle it because we're just trying to like make people understand it better and feel comfortable. We can't. Handle it. We've moved past that now, yeah. And because we've got so much people, people are so well educated about it that that now you can afford to have all sorts of representations of it. But with ADHD, where yeah, we're like completely in in infancy of of anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still in a world where most people that have it are wandering around oblivious, not. Yeah. You know, even understanding. You're so correct. You are. You have 100% articulated what has been bubbling away in my inner soul. In that, yes, like we're trying to. We're in this. We're just trying to get it out there in a way that's not judged or that it. You know, because it's an invisible thing and it's a strange thing to explain to people, especially when you are someone who's organised and can just do shit and, and isn't overwhelmed all the time by everything. And you hear it and you're like. But when you hear someone's got, got like cancer or depression or and it's it it's something that physically manifests in front of you, you're able to like feel it. So when it hits the mainstream and the only representation we're getting are these humans doing awful things, mm. you just go, fuck, come on, man. Come on, man. Just can we just have one person? Just one. Like just can like I don't even know, can someone who is so beloved come but the thing is I might say you are that person. <laughs> and there's the other layer of pressure. Yeah. I'm super flawed. I, I, and I am still figuring it out and I'm not ready to be the face of the neurodiversity because also the neurodiverse community is really hard, as I've said before. We're not the most supportive bunch because of the perfectionism and the bluntness and the sensitivity and, we, like, we're all going each other and correcting each other and it's, we're kind of like the worst of the Labor Party, you know, where we're just always correcting each other and the ways to identify and is it with autism. We don't say Asperger's anymore. There's levels. Like, there's all but these But also things. there's an element of, like, you know, criticism from the neurodiverse community is going to hit you like a ton of bricks. Oh. Uh, not well, only because not only Yeah, hypersensitive. But in addition to that, it's also there's an element of like, like for me, if I get criticised that there's like homophobia in my own work, that hurts more than any oh. other criticism at all because it's kind of like, oh, from my own community. Oh, oh I get God, it all the God, time. God, yes. I'm not autistic enough according to a lot of autistic people. Mm. Like, I just, I'm so sorry. So, yes, I, 
I just want to let everyone know I'm going to be doing my absolute best to get this speech right, but it is feeling like the impossible dream at this point. And I haven't started writing it, ironically, because I have ADHD. So... You know, I'm getting a lot of other shit done. There's, like, cobwebs are being cleaned. My knicker drawer's never been better folded. Every time I sit down to write this speech, I'm going on side quest after side quest and it's probably going to be written on the napkin the morning of at this rate. So the irony is I can't get done what needs to be done because I have no executive function. Do you fold your knickers? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I roll them special and they're, and then they're in little own little tubs in my drawers. Okay. But mm. I... I can't, I've got a pile of knickers that needs to be put away, but I can't put them away because the drawer okay, needs sure. to be refolded first and mm. I don't have time to refold it. So both chaotic states are just building up. It's really hard. Yeah, it's really hard. So I, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. And, and I know I wasn't the only neurodiverse person who saw this and just felt like, oh, well, fuck, we've been set back again. We just, we really need a win. Our community needs a force of good and, and I'm going to... Gonna try. That's all I'm gonna say on the matter. All right, we're gonna go away. We're gonna come back and talk about something much more exciting. Uh, Beyonce has graced us with a new single, <laughs> and we are so excited. That's next. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. So we're very excited. We are. Are we not? The Renaissance is coming. <laughs> and oh, I am ready for the Renaissance. It's been six years since we've got a solo pop project. We've had... Um, I wouldn't say that Lemonade was pop, necessarily. Well, you know what I mean. It had probably, Main, yes. Mainstream. Sure. Yeah. So she had Everything is Love with Jay-Z, which you and I didn't really engage with. I just want pure Beyonce. True. Don't water it down with Jay-Z. No, and I love on this one, not only does she sing it, she does her own rap break. Anyway, we'll get into it oh, soon. Oh, so good. Uh, we had uh, Black is King. We had the Lion King project. She wrote a song for King Richard. Oh, we can't say she hasn't given us. She, she's, she's been, been feeding us, of she's course. Been working. But also it was also because, like, Lemonade was her masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. And so... So, so good. Yeah, so amazing. I still listen to it. I just bought it on vinyl because I'm a wanker. <laughs> I love it. And the immense follow like, where does she go? What could she do? We spent a whole breakfast. We didn't know where she was going to go. No. At breakfast the other day, I'm like, what do you think she's going to do? And yeah. we just couldn't land on it. We no. didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't even know what we wanted, but she knew. Oh, she knew. Yeah. So Break My Soul was dropped at midnight and I... Midnight, overseas time. Yeah. I don't know what time it was here. Well, I, I just got it. Chella sent us a text. Mm. But it was midnight overseas time. Let's yeah. just say midnight because it's dramatic for her. And it's just said... Six. So I'm guessing, does that mean track six on the album? Or, like, why did it have a six? Well, it is track six on the album. Okay. And I don't know whether I'm just in weird gay Twitter. Hi, gay. Oh, okay. was, <laughs> do you want to know the speculation? Yes. It's because Pride Month is the sixth month of the year. I think that's actually bullshit. Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> Although the gays are happy. Yes. Like 90s. This is for the gays. No, you're I'm not. obsessed. Let's just say. Oh, the There's gays already footage of, of, of drag performances of it. Yeah, it's... Really? Hold up. Oh, Mega Mega. You won't break my song. 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 I'm telling everybody. Yeah. Already? Mm. How'd they learn the words so fast? I don't know. Well, I'll, Commitment. Have to, I'll tell you today, I was sitting folding washing just and um, nothing's going to break my soul. So I was thinking that. Just break my soul. Like it was just coming out of me. Like, yeah. 
She knew. You won't break my soul. I was worried when, because my first fragment of it was the screen grab that Shella said. And when I saw Break My Soul, I instantly went to a place of like, sounds like it's going to be a dark searching ballad or something like that. I don't know why that's what I thought, Mm. even though I knew it was a dance project. Mm, No, like. But then when I put it on and from the first second. Release your anger. Release your mind. Release the job. Release the time. Release your trade. Release the stress. Release the love. Forget the rest. This bitch knows. Especially on a level of 40-something women were exennials, the 90s are back, that was the last time we didn't feel tired. She knows that we're walking around and there are multiple things, um, you won't break my soul, I could sing that to. Mm-hmm. My elderly dog continuing to shit on the floor every <laughs> night. My husband booking a job on the day I'm to give my National Press Club address. Like Your my, underwear drawer. My underwear drawer. This is so, she just knew, like, I won't be singing this on the dance floor, but I will be angry crying at, at the traffic lights in my car. I, you know... The moment when I really knew I was in my 40s was that I was loving the song and I wasn't thinking, I can't wait to be on a crowded dance floor. I was thinking, I can't wait to add this to my exercise playlist for my lounge room hits. Like, that is where I went. Yeah, for me, it's the same. It's the song I'll be cleaning to on a Saturday morning, not dancing out to on a Saturday night. Oh, first thing Saturday morning when the girls wake up, because the girls know on a Saturday morning when the playlist cranks, they've got to get up and, and like, Mm. guilt clean. That's the first Mm. thing I'll be playing. You won't break. And the girls can sing that back to me. Like, it's really just works on program your daughters to associate party bangers with, <laughs> with household chores <laughs> and servitude. Already. But I just love that she, you know, we're coming out of the pandemic. We're co- she's just fucking pitched it so beautifully. She has. And I love as well that the, the last one was so, the album was so searching and personal and loaded with, with cultural history and all this sort of stuff. And this is a flat-out banger. As you pointed out, she's singing about working nine to five, which clearly it's not. She's doing it for the fans. It's nothing to do really with her own day-to-day life. Look, it's all well and good as a billionaire to tell everyone to quit their job. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say to everyone, I love the sentiment. I feel you. Please don't quit your job because Beyonce told you to. Please. Please do not go into work and be like, Beyonce's told me to, I'm going, I'm out. Like, just don't do it. Don't do it. But also, if you did do that, respect. (laughs) No, it's, that was my only, when I was listening to the lyrics, well, I was watching the lyrics video, which is why I noticed the lyrics so much. Mm. And when it's, when she was singing about, you know, can't wait to leave at five and nine to five, I was like, when was the last time you had a nine to five fee? Mm. And to be fair to her, we are, there's not very much unemployment at the moment. The economy, so if you were going to quit your job, it's a good time because there's a lot of job (laughs) vacancies. Beyonce's clearly been looking at the employment section. And the UK Vogue cover shoot. Oh my God. If Mm. that is any indication of what we have coming, the outfits, Christ on a wheel. I can honestly say that I cannot wait for the first live performance of it, though. Oh, my I just God. Can't. When are we going to get it? I don't know. Oh, my God. When are we, we going to get the whole thing? And how often is she dropping songs? I and I love that she's dropped it on a Tuesday. Mm. She, like, she just doesn't care. Because mm. normally in the old days you drop it, say, on a Thursday, then she pioneered dropping it up things on a Friday because you don't normally drop things on a Friday because the press go to sleep on the weekend. Mm-hmm. And she's got, no, I'm just going to do a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Don't give a shit mm-hmm. on, at midnight. <laughs> she can drop it anytime she wants. She can drop it on a Wednesday morning at 3 a.m. Yeah. It's so exciting. I'm so excited. Before you go, though, we watched J-Lo's documentary. <sighs> Didn't we ever. <laughs> We just want to say that we were only on the Gold Coast for a short amount of time. Some might say that when you're in a city for a long weekend, you would go and experience all the local delights. And we did do a little bit of that, but make no mistake, Mm. we were dedicating Mm. solid time Mm -hmm. to watching Mm. Mm. halftime. So good. It is absolutely unmitigated propaganda for for J-Lo and we... (laughs) 
loved it. I lived in the public eye. How do you feel about your butt? You did not just ask me that. It was. And, you know, if nothing else, I took away how seriously she takes everything. Mm, there especially was herself. <laughs> the level of earnest reflection. Mm. But then there's a moment where you get dance captain, Jen. You know, oh. and that was like shoulder, shoulder. And I'm looking for the camera and I'm finding the camera, but I'm not looking, but I am looking because I'm always looking. I don't just go, the camera got me, <laughs> but I'm also saying that the camera got me because <laughs> I can do all of that at the same time. Yeah. I'm like, yes. No, I know. And, I know. And what we didn't realize was because at the halftime show, if you recall, the cages rose from the ground. Yes. And at the time, I think a lot of us were watching going, oh, cages, that's an Pretty lights? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's her daughter. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, and then we find out it was actually a political statement mm. about the Trump administration mm. putting... Um, Refugees, yeah. though, yeah, at the border. Yeah. Kids in cages, yes. Yeah. She was making a political statement. Absolutely. But at the time, and then the whole thing became, like, oh, they're, 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 then the, the big, you know, the cliffhanger in the show was they're going to axe the cages. Mm. And Jalo got on the phone. She was not having that. No. She was not having that. She is trying to give us something with substance. She's not just up there shaking her ass. Not just us out there shaking our fucking asses and fucking belly dancing. I want something real. <laughs> Help me out here, Joe. I'm trying to make a statement. I'm trying to make a statement. Can't take the cages. And then her manager's like, they're going to get rid of the cages. They're trying to get rid of the cages. I'm like, and she's like, no. And I get a call from Benny, and he's like, they want to pull the cages. They looked at the plans, and the message was absolute. They did not want those cages in the show. <laughs> <laughs> and then her and Shakira on the phone arguing over who's going to go when. Like, I don't know that they were arguing. Oh, that was a bit of bustling, hustling. But yeah, look, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, she was like, I just think you do the first six minutes and I'll do the last six minutes. There was no way there was not going to be any sort of crossover there. Yeah, but yeah. we want to know, did Shakira mind Jayla did not? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating because I, I, I would think that most people would assume that Shakira has more live performance chops mm -hmm. than JLo. But on the evidence of the Super Bowl... No, no, ma'am. Mm, no, ma'am. Mm. I simply cannot have you saying that because it was JLo live and, and the dancing. But I just... It's like when I watched the Janet Jackson documentary. Janet and JLo sat in the edit and the every single like every single frame was decided upon and I love it. That's right. To communicate the message yeah. that they are an absolute goddess and a freedom fighter. Yeah. And and, and should have won an Oscar. Should have won an Oscar. That was wild. Although, can I just say? Yeah. In the trailer, which of course I watched 57 times, mm. there is a bit in the trailer where she is in bed seemingly receiving the news that she, she, yeah. she didn't get it and being really upset. Mm. That's not in the film. I agree. I was looking for that. Mm. There was where she realised, yeah, and sometimes you didn't get the nomination, she's sobbing. Gone. Yeah, mm. gone. What happened there? She must, have she must have at the last minute thought, you know what, that makes me look weak, I'm above it, I'm above it, I'm above it. Yeah. But they left it to draw people in to watch. Yeah. And Ben Affleck's in it for three seconds? Three seconds, yeah. If you go in wanting any insight into what happened with A-Rod, because the period absolutely... He doesn't exist. Is, yeah, he is not in there. And <laughs> no. she... Because I remember from the inauguration where she infamously... Oh, we got that too! Yes! That's the emotional crescendo when yeah. she sings it. But he was there. Mm -hmm. Like, there were so many shots of him watching. But, but was he's, he? He's been edited. Well, clearly not enough. <laughs> no, but he's he's gone. Mm -hmm. According to JLo's propaganda, there She's rewritten history just as she rewrote America the Beautiful. <laughs> And afterwards we Let's did... Let's get loud. <laughs> I will always respect it. Yeah, and we then, if you have not gone back... Oh, yeah, what did we watched, do after? Oh, watched the halftime show. We did. 
Because you can forget. You know, you got to go back. You can forget. Straight away, though. As soon as you watch the doco, go do the full performance. She just YouTube. keeps giving and giving. You keep thinking, oh, my God, I forgot she's saying this brilliant, brilliant, but oh, my God, she can pole dance. Of course she can. Just when you think you've said everything, you think she's like, fuck you, I'm going to do ballroom dancing off the fucking hook. Yeah, yeah. It was insane. I'm going to yeah. flip on my head. Yeah, I'm going to have the Puerto Rican flag on the inside of my dick. Oh. Because <laughs> I'm not just here shaking my ass. That's the name of the podcast. That's the title of the podcast. <laughs> Not just here, shook of my ass. Anyway, we loved it. And also she brought Emmy on stage this weekend and referred to Emmy because Emmy uses they, them pronouns. And Jen oh. announced Emmy on stage using they, them pronouns. They sung together and it was it was a beautiful moment. And I asked them to sing with me all the time, but they won't. So this is a very special occasion. They're very, very busy and booked. And pricey, it costs me when they come out. It was just like, she can do no wrong. Oh. She's queen. She's going to have to make another flag outfit to... I would say so. Her. I hope so. I hope so too. Pride flag, spin it around Puerto Rican flag, flip it upside down American flag. If anyone can do it. <laughs> if anyone can do it. Okay, that's enough from us. Um, again, congratulations. Thank you. I'm very proud Thank of you. you. It, was, it was a great It was a great thing that happened. It was a great win. It was a great win. It was pretty hard. I, did, I was back in the office the, the next day. That was that was rough. Yeah, respect. Mm, thank respect. You. Okay. All right. See ya. This is insulation. Okay. That's all we have time for. Let's get loud. That will just forever. The most the most glorious thing she's ever done, to be honest. She just slid it in there. Did not even care. Zero fucks about the sacredness of the song she was remixing. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, that's on Netflix. I don't think we even said that. If you want to go and watch the JLo documentary, it's on Netflix. But as we said, you must go and then relive the halftime show, the brilliance of it, the hard work she put into it. And also get yourself... What the fuck is hell? T-shirts uh, online right now, mrussiano.com in the shop. I don't think I said that. Make sure uh, you go and engage with our social media. What you don't know is every time we post, you might not see it. And my daughter, Marcella, who's social media captain, each week puts up this extensive 34-frame story. It's the accompanying Bible to the episode because I know when I'm listening to a podcast and someone references something visual instantly, I want to be like, oh... What is? What are they talking about? So we've made sure you don't have to do that. You just go to at Emsolation Podcast on Instagram, and every week she does this. But you mightn't see it because of algorithms, and sometimes we get shadow banned because we put things up, you know, about penises and stuff. Well, most weeks we put things up about penises. Hi, gay. So. Make sure you're checking in with the Instagram every week. It's really important. We post on the main page. The more you like and engage, press the bell and then you'll be told every time Marcella puts something up. But it's really worth it. It just gives you the whole 360 experience of the episode. Trust me. And there's so many great Beyonce memes going up. I've seen them. You get the Beyonce photo shoot. Anything we've mentioned that you feel like you want to see will be there. At Emsolation Podcast on Instagram. And our newsletter also goes out. We want you to be a part of the full community, the full experience. All links are there, recommendations we have for you to get through the week until our next step. It's really worth, if you're going to be in, you may as well be in, right? So subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't. Make sure you are regularly interacting with the social media posts because don't assume Instagram's going to let you know we've done it because they don't because sometimes they're assholes. All right, mummy's finished now, I think. Anything else? No. <sighs> Have a wonderful weekend. Have a wonderful week ahead. And uh, we'll be back next Thursday as always. Bye.
Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast recorded at Down the Hill Studios, hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas, executive produced by Benjamin Wosley, produced by M. Rossiano, edited by Ezekiel Fenn at Entente Music, with videos by James Henderson, socials by Marcella Rossiano Barrow, with assistance from Jem Evans and Georgia Watts, plus occasional off for shelf installs and flat pack wrangling from M's dad, Vincey. Get more Emsolation by following us on Instagram at Emsolation Podcast. You can also sign up for our weekly newsletter. Join other Emsolators of the Emsolation group on Facebook. The answer is Harry Styles. And please take the time to share this podcast with a friend and make sure you're following us on the Spotify app by hitting the follow button. Thanks again for taking time out to listen to this week's episode and we look forward to chatting with you again soon.